0: Welcome back to New Books in Jewish Studies. I'm your host, Max Kaiser. We have a great show for you today. With us, we have Sharon Rothbard, Senior Lecturer at Bezalel Academy in Jerusalem. He's here to talk to us about his new book, White City, Black City, Architecture and War in Tel Aviv and Jaffa, published in 2015 by Pluto Press and MIT. Sharon, thank you very much for being on the show with us today. Thank you. Hello. Um, first off, could you tell us a little bit about how you came to write this book?
1: I was. Um, uh, the, the, the White City narrative started to uh, be very present in public uh, life, uh, more or less in, my, in the beginning of my uh, adulthood. Uh, at the time in the 80s, when uh, uh, when it first came up as a uh, quite a modest uh, exhibition at the Tel Aviv Museum uh, for Art, I was quite taken by this, by this uh, um, story, and uh, it coincided co- coincided with my uh, own uh, architecture studies in in Paris uh, a few years uh, uh, later. Uh, When I came back from Paris about uh, eight eight years after um, I left Israel, uh, I landed into a huge festival uh, of Bauhaus and White City uh, celebrations uh, in Tel Aviv. It was more or less at the time of the uh, peace process with the uh, Palestinians, and there were many architects and scholars. Uh, coming from all over the world and at more or less at that time i uh, it started to annoy me um, i started to um, to take note of all kinds of uh, small uh, inaccuracies uh, in the story and i was not very happy with the way uh, the whole narrative was uh, appropriated by uh, uh, by the establishment i could not uh, not see how um, how it is used for uh, different um, um, political uh, purposes. Uh, more or less at the same time, I decided to uh, I would say to settle in the south in in, in the south Tel Aviv, in Shapira neighborhood, a very old uh, neighborhood which uh, once uh, was uh, part of uh, of Jaffa. And I, uh, when I was uh, interested in the history of my my own neighborhood, uh, I I suddenly discovered that there's nothing written about it. So uh, it started with a big gap between um, the historization of a uh, few parts of the city. Um, so, in fact, from that moment on, I started to uh, research and to um, and to try to to, to look for. Um, to look for uh, information about uh, about my own uh, neighbors, uh, neighbors neighborhood uh, uh, history, uh, but also uh, about Jaffa, and uh, at a certain moment I got into a very clear uh, insight that uh, there is a um, uh, a kind of correlation between uh, the city's history and the city uh, geography. I could not uh, ignore the fact that um uh, for example my my own neighborhood which at the time was considered as uh, one of the poorest neighborhood, neighborhoods in Tel Aviv um uh, there is a certain uh, relationship between the fact that uh, in uh, in the most canonical history book of Tel Aviv uh, the whole neighborhood gets uh, something like uh, four or five lines uh, and uh, the fact that uh, the municipality d- does not clear the garbage every day like it does in other uh, neighborhoods in, uh, in Tel Aviv. Uh, so, in fact, uh, that encouraged me to start uh, searching for uh, other kind of uh, resources, but also to uh, be much more critical uh, vis-à-vis the white city narrative Um and um, to try to uh, understand how this story was told, uh, what was uh, its role uh, within uh, um, the Tel Aviv and Israeli cultural life, and of course to sketch some kind of a new history uh, for uh, the other parts of the city, uh, alias the Black City or uh, Jaffa. Right.
0: All right, so let's start with... Um Tel Aviv and how it came to be called the White City. Um, Where did this idea of the White City come from? Um, And um, you mentioned that there were sort of inaccuracies in how the sort of myth of the White City um, came about. What what were what were the sort of inaccuracies in the sort of the standard history that's given? And and also if you could dig into, um, you mentioned already sort of the ideological purpose that the, that the white city myth, um, serves?
1: Um, there were a few, uh, few steps in the, in the construction of this narrative. Uh, first of all, uh, this image of the white city was something that uh, was already mentioned in uh, very early writings uh, about, uh, about uh, Tel Aviv uh but in fact it uh, it became a uh, an important issue uh with an exhibition created by uh Levin uh, an art historian uh, who specializes in uh, architecture um so so uh in fact in 1984 uh Mikhail Levin curated this uh, exhibition at the Tel Aviv Museum of Art uh titled uh, uh, white city uh, and um, this exhibition displayed uh, uh, various uh, buildings uh, in, Israel, in Tel Aviv, but also in some in a few other cities in Israel, such as Haifa or uh, Jerusalem. Uh, at the time, it was quite a quite a modest uh, um, and small show, uh, but it had a huge effect uh, on the revival of the city center of Tel Aviv. So already uh, in, the, um, in the in the eighties. Um, uh, the municipality of Tel Aviv uh, decided to uh, revive the city center of Tel Aviv, uh, the district which nowadays is called uh, the White City. Uh, but in fact, uh, it, it took about ten years until it became a an almost official uh, policy or an official narrative uh, of the city uh, of Tel Aviv. Uh, it is also important to note that uh, already from the beginning of the 60s, or the, the late 50s, uh, there was a very uh, famous uh, song uh, called White City, uh, which was sung by Arik uh, Einstein, one of the um, most um, loved um, pop stars uh, uh, in Israel. So in a sense, this uh, the title of the exhibition and the title of uh, this uh, part of the city uh, somehow merged with uh, uh, with those uh, images of White City as we um, as they echoed in, uh, in in various sections of uh, 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 Israeli uh, culture. Now, uh, in fact, there were few brand names that were associated with the uh, with this narrative uh, of Tel Aviv. Uh, First is, of course, uh, this idea of a white city. Uh, And uh, and secondly, uh, its association with uh, with different uh, parts of uh, modernist um, movement in uh, in architecture. Uh, Strangely, um, uh, from all the influences that uh, one could identify, uh, in uh, Tel Aviv's architecture, um, the most um, um, common name that uh, somehow was suggested was this idea of uh, of Bauhaus. So, uh, if we try to uh, tell this narrative, like in 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 two lines, uh, one could uh, tell the story as uh, as such um, as follows. Um, um, during the, in the beginning of the, ninth, of the 20th century there was this very uh, advanced and progressive school uh, in Germany called uh, the Bauhaus um, in the beginning of the 30s uh, Hitler came to power, he shut down the school uh, all, the, all the teachers and the students uh, uh, spread all over the world The Jews among them immigrated to uh, Israel, to Tel Aviv, and built the uh, White City. So, in a sense, uh, the narrative behind uh, behind this story, and it uh, was—I mean, I'm not inventing it—it was—it was uh, was written in one of the uh, most central books about uh, this architecture by uh, the artist Dani Karavan. Tel Aviv and its modernist uh, architecture is some kind of a victory or revenge over uh, over the over the Nazis. Um, it mean, it says that um, um, like you didn't want the, archi- the modernist uh, and Jews uh, modernist architecture and Jews in 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 Germany, so here now please accept us here uh, uh, in Israel. There were also some other uh, parts of this story. Uh, which uh, suggested that, uh, in fact, Tel Aviv was built upon dunes or upon, upon the sands, and, uh, in fact, there was really nothing there before uh, the city um, uh, was built. So, in fact, uh, it enabled us to uh, tell the story of, uh, of Tel Aviv uh, without getting into all kinds of uh, problematic uh, issues Uh, concerning the very same uh, period uh, in the history. So at at this moment, uh, when we started uh, telling the uh, architectural history of Tel Aviv, uh, we also disconnected it from the general history of uh, Israel. And while, for example, in the 30s, it was a very uh, dramatic period uh, in which we had uh, um, more than three years of um, of some kind of intifada, what uh, was titled by the British uh, as the Great uh, Arab uh, Revolt. Uh, it was also a great time of uh, settlements. There were many, uh, some dozens of uh, uh, of new settlements um, uh, erected all over uh, the country. Uh, Suddenly, we have a piece of uh, Israeli uh, history which has nothing to do whatsoever. Uh, with the political situation uh, in the Middle East. It has nothing to do uh, with uh, Tel Aviv's most uh, close neighbor, uh, the uh, historical city um, of Jaffa. So uh, let's say that in the overall, uh, this, this was the main flaw that encouraged me to start researching. Uh, later on, when I started to get into a more um, close look uh, at, at this narrative, so um, uh, even um, if, if we start checking uh, what was the exact influence of the Bauhaus school uh, on Tel Aviv, uh, we might discover that in fact, uh, from all the um, from all the um, uh, Bauhaus uh, graduate or students who immigrated to Palestine at the time. Uh, there were only four or five architects who were um, more or less uh, active. Uh, most of them were active in other districts of the country, in Haifa or in the uh, or in the Kibbutzim. Uh, there was one graduate uh, who um, uh, worked in the Tel Aviv municipality and was in fact just a, a clerk. Uh, the most famous uh, architect that... Uh, uh, was trained in the Bauhaus. Aryeh Sharon. Uh, he was uh, much more involved in, in 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 big projects in other areas uh, uh, of uh, of Israel or Palestine in, in the kibbutzim. Uh, and in fact, uh, much later, in the beginning of the eighties, when uh, people start to get interested with this narrative, uh, he was the one to say that, uh, in fact, there is no influence of Bauhaus. Uh, on the Tel Aviv architecture, you might mention some other influences, uh, such as Le Corbusier or um, or uh, French uh, Fran- French modern uh, architects. Uh, but uh, that, in fact, the, the whole use of uh, Bauhaus is completely um, uh, is a complete uh, mistake. Uh, I would say that this um, this uh, this tendency to to shift. Uh, this narrative towards uh, this uh, Central European um, um, source uh, of modern architecture, um, I would guess that it stems uh, either um, uh, from uh, this uh, idea that Tel Aviv, in some respects, might be considered as a victory of the Jewish people over the uh, over the Nazis. Um, but of course it had some other uh, uh, agendas which, um, uh, which, which matched a certain hierarchy uh, within uh, the um, Jewish Ashkenazi um, um, communities that were um, um, uh, residing in, in, in Israel. Uh, in which there is a certain hierarchy between the Middle-Europa and the East and the Austrian Um, uh, people who came from uh, Berlin or from Vienna uh, were uh, considered to be much more cultivated or advanced uh, than uh, normally Jews who came from uh, Poland or Ukraine. Um, Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I would say that uh, you can't really say that most of the architects in (laughs) Tel Aviv Uh, studied in in Bauhaus, Uh, uh, neither to say none of Bauhaus' teachers, uh, people like Gropius or Miss van der Rohe, never set their foot uh, on the soil of the Holy Land. Um, And, of course, there were many uh, architects who were trained in uh, Eastern Europe, in Belgium, in France, in Italy, or even in in Palestine, in the Technion, which was already uh, active. Uh, at the time. So, it, it, to, to, to sum it up, I, I would say that um, it, is, it, it became quite a curious uh, phenomenon that if you go to a library and you look at the bookshelves of uh, books about Tel Aviv, uh, about 80% of those books would somehow uh, be associated with this narrative of the white city or modern architecture or Bauhaus architecture um and of course those um, uh, those narratives uh, those narratives are applied only to uh, one one very specific area uh, in the city uh, of Tel Aviv from the other hand you could uh, notice that uh, some other neighborhoods such as Nevehannan or Florentine or uh, Shapira uh, who were uh, founded uh, about a decade before, um, um, the White City. Um, they were lacking any any rec- record or any um, uh, publications or research about it. So this is, there was this. Uh, um, I mean, this is the main flow, I think, of uh, of this narrative. And of course, if you get into more more into details, uh, you can see that uh, this idea of a new white city, which is erected on the empty dunes, is completely ironical, uh, and that uh, in fact this was more kind of a wishful thinking that you could also um, find it in um, in visual um, uh, in the iconography of uh, of the of Tel Aviv uh, as it it was uh, as it has been established from the uh, from the from the 30s. So uh, if you uh, see in my in my book there is a very striking example how uh, in fact a whole neighborhood such as manshia uh, quite a big neighborhood uh, that uh, in fact separated between uh, Tel Aviv and uh, its beach um, was uh, in fact transformed already in uh, drawings uh, made in the 30s which was transformed into some kind of a dune so in a se- in a sense it was kind of a kind of a self safe- fulfilling uh, prophecy or wishful thinking that later on uh, was uh, realised after um, the conquest of Jaffa and its annexation to Tel
0: Aviv. Okay, yeah, let's uh, let's move on and talk about um, part two of your book where you you talk about um, what you call the Black City. Tell tell us about the history of Jaffa and the other side of this um, mythological story of, of Tel Aviv.
1: Um, the, of course, there are many ways to start uh, uh, to start uh, um, this narrative uh, of Jaffa. Uh, in my book, I do not really pretend to write uh, a new history of Jaffa because that will require um, um, getting into Ottoman uh, uh, Ottoman doc- documents and uh, Arabic documents. Uh, and uh, in fact, most of the uh, records of uh, Jaffa were destroyed during uh, the forty-eight uh, during the forty-eight war. Uh, so, in fact, uh, the the was there had been once upon a time there was this city uh, called Jaffa, um, uh, which in fact uh, existed until uh, 1948 uh Jaffa and its hinterland in Jaffa and in, in, in its hinterland um, uh, was a population of some uh, 100,000 uh, inhabitants or even a little bit more uh, and in fact from all those uh, this population uh, by the end of um, um, but, but, but in the moment when uh, Jaffa uh, surrendered uh, on the 13th of May uh, 1948. Uh, from all this population, uh, there were only about three or four thousand uh, people remaining. All of them were uh, um, moved out, um, evicted, uh, um, ran away uh, to uh, other uh, regions of the uh, of the country, or even uh, to other uh, countries uh, in the region. Um, so, uh, in a sense, Jaffa uh, was um, uh, was conquered in, in as I said, in May uh, 1948, after uh, a few months of uh, hostilities uh, that uh, some of them were uh, perpetrated by um, by um, far right uh, organizations that were active at the time. Uh, um, Within the Jewish community in Palestine, such as the Etzel or the Lechi, the, um, uh, Stern, the Stern Gang, uh, as it was um, coined by the British, uh, or the organization headed head by uh, Menachem Legin uh, at the time. Uh, by the end uh, of the hostilities, uh, the city suffered a huge uh, physical uh physical uh damages it became almost uh, empty from its uh, from its population and uh soon later um uh, as it happened with all the uh, Palestinian properties uh in uh, Israel uh, Palestine uh it was in fact annexed to to Tel Aviv uh but also what is more important the lands and uh uh, uh real estate uh, was confiscated by the state uh, of Israel um, um, by the law of the properties of uh, absentees, which in fact um, um, made us. Uh, in fact, until this very day, um, uh, it is about ninety percent of all the older real estate properties uh, in Israel. In fact, they 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 uh, got to uh, the state's hand uh, following this law. And the War of uh, 48. Uh, but if we uh, speak of uh, the history of the city as uh, something which might uh, generate a certain uh, process of uh, renewal, uh, of course, Jaffa is a very, very ancient uh, city. Uh, you can find records of it in the Greek mythologies, uh, in the Greek mythology, or the, in the Jewish uh, uh, scriptures. Uh, so it's a city old of a uh, few uh thousands uh, uh, of years uh, three or or even four thousand uh, years of uh, uh, of history uh, and record uh, nevertheless when um, uh, when the narrative of uh, jaffa is told uh, by the official um, uh, arms of um, Uh, of the city or of uh, of the state. Um, Normally, uh, there are all kinds of highlights which are kind of more um, uh, celebrated or um, emphasized uh, in this narrative. Uh, First, uh, the passage of Napoleon Bonaparte uh, in Jaffa uh, in 1799. Um, uh, during the uh, Egyptian campaign, uh, and also uh, all the uh, beginnings of the um, uh, Jewish uh, modern uh, presence and later on the uh, Zionist uh, uh, influence uh, um, on Jaffa, because Jaffa, for at least during the 19th uh, century, uh, was uh, considered by the Jews as the gate of Zion, this was the place where Jews would uh, come um, uh, first uh, arrive to uh, uh, to Palestine. Uh, so, in a sense, uh, at least for a certain time, it was a, a uh, uh, an important uh, point um, uh, in which uh, um, people would come; they would be uh, uh, treated or welcomed. Uh, by the Jew, with Jewish or Zionist, uh, institutions. Uh, so of course, uh, the, in most of the, uh, Israeli narratives of, uh, Jaffa, uh, there's no much information about how Jaffa, um, actually, uh, was. Um, it is important to know that Jaffa until 48 was the most important, uh, center, uh, cultural and economical center uh, of uh, Palestinian uh, presence in um, uh, in Palestine, uh, it was a very important um, uh, place, uh, also due to uh, the reputation of the uh, citrus um, culture uh, in the region. Uh, the Jaffa uh, Jaffa oranges, of course, is a very uh, well known. Um, um, brand name and it has been so for, for all over the 20th uh, century and what is also uh, quite interesting to know is that uh, at least uh, from all over the 19th century uh, until let's say uh, the, the uh, beginning of the 20s in the 20th century uh, Jaffa was also a place where um, very different community uh, coexisted uh, in a relatively peaceful way. Uh, you had a, a very important, uh, uh, of course, uh, Muslim uh, community, but also Christians and, to also some extent, uh, Jews that, uh, uh, until the very end of the 19th century, century um, uh, did not consider themselves as a as Zionist or had any pretensions to. Um, um, to go further further with a certain uh, nationalistic uh, project so, so there was a certain time when Jaffa was a kind of a multi uh, multicultural city um, in fact until, until uh, uh, um, the Zionist uh, uh, movement started to um, exert a more important influence on the shaping Uh, Of uh, of Israel.
0: Okay, so in 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 the last part of your book, um, you suggest that the Tel Aviv Jaffa problem lies at the heart of the Middle East conflict. Can you can you tell us what you mean by this, and what would need to happen to redress this problem?
1: First, I would say that uh, I mean this, uh, we, we are speaking at a moment where uh, Aleppo is uh, uh, is taken by Syria. So, in fact, nowadays I don't know if nowadays I would uh, it would be it would be proper to say that this is the only uh, problem uh, in the Middle East. But at least as as far as it, as it concerns uh, the Israeli-Palestinian situation, uh, my claim is that. Uh, Uh, as, um, um, in fact, the whole uh, Jewish settlement in uh, Palestine started in Tel Aviv and in Jaffa. Uh, In a sense, uh, you might uh, see how, uh, in fact, the whole um, uh, Israeli-Palestinian or Israeli-Arab conflict starts in in a very small scale uh, in the street fight in, uh, uh, in Jaffa. Uh, in that sense, you, you might see in, uh, in a nutshell uh, a much bigger conflict, but as it is, um, is exists uh, in, 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 in quite a very small place, because uh, Tel Aviv and Jaffa are quite small cities uh, relatively to uh, other uh, important uh, metropolitan concentration uh, concentrations uh, in the world. Um, I, I would say that, uh, it, as far as I am concerned, I would uh, certainly would like to see a kind of a reparation, which uh, uh, it, its first steps should be um, should be symbolic and and historical. So it means paying much more respect uh, to Jaffa's uh, Arabic uh, past. Um, for example, in the cover of the Hebrew edition, but I think it is also in the inner cover of the uh, English one, uh, there is this photo of the Gidi House, uh, which is uh, in fact the last remaining Palestinian um, structure uh, of the neighborhood of uh, Manshia, um, uh, Since the late uh, 70s, when it was uh, reconstructed as some kind of a museum, uh, it celebrates, uh, the conquest of, uh, of Jaffa and, uh, uh, without any, without any mention of Jaffa's, uh, really, uh, really past. Uh, so I think that first, uh, it will be important to, uh, to acknowledge, uh, Jaffa's history, uh, and also, uh, Jaffa's, uh, tragedy. I was thinking at the time, I still, I still wish uh, that if there would be some kind of uh, reparation, uh, it should start in in, in in the most important city uh, in the state of Israel, which is Tel Aviv, um, Haifa, uh, Jaffa. Uh, so this is a, um, I think, an important opportunity to uh, um, to acknowledge. Uh, first, this idea of uh, of occupation, because we are still occupying uh, Jaffa, uh, in, in and it has been made in in, in different uh, in very different uh, uh, means, such as uh, uh, the uh, location of many uh, army um, headquarters uh, in Arabic um, buildings in uh, uh, in Jaffa. Um there uh there's nowadays there's a huge effort of uh, gentrifying Jaffa, so there's a certain movement of um uh, of um uh new um new Israeli very wealthy uh families who uh move in and uh less wealthy uh Arabic families who move out uh to other cities uh in uh uh, in Israel and of course there is this this whole symbolical uh, dimension of the city which uh, um, which is uh, completely biased because uh, one of the uh, one of the first steps uh, done uh, after the conquest of uh, Jaffa in 48 was the um, uh, annulation of all the uh, street names the Arabic street names of the city, so even even if you would be, uh, let's say, a Palestinian refugee uh, um, moving out from Jaffa in '48, if you look nowadays uh, on a map of Jaffa, you could not really recognize your city because all the uh, street names have changed. Uh, in the first uh, at a, in the first uh, uh, st- uh, uh, stage, they uh, just numbered the, the streets. Uh, later on, uh, they started to um, name the streets after uh, European composers and uh, and philosophers, or uh, all kinds of East European uh, rabbis, uh, so in fact the, 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 this idea of conquest is not only uh, applied on the uh, physical um, body uh, of the city, but it... it, it, it it, it uh, includes also uh, all the cultural, historical, and symbolical um, uh, facets of uh, of the city. So I think that this is a huge project. Um, how to how to relate to this city? How to relate to this uh, past? Which uh, we might uh, consider it as some kind of, um, I would say, a prototype. Uh, for solving problems in other regions of the, uh, uh, in other places, in other uh, areas of the uh, states, and maybe in more uh, regions. So, um, in this sense, I, I consider I, I I cannot really uh, accept uh, that the history of a city or, or history of architecture could be uh, completely dissociated uh, from the general uh history um, and in, in, in that sense um uh, the city or i might even argue any city is a very political uh politically charged space and this is something that we should um, really understand it in, in in a much more profound
0: way that's great thanks very much for that um, So thanks very much for um, talking to us about uh, your new book. Um, It's really um, very interesting and uh, I think a very important book. Um, Before we let you go, would you be able to um, tell us very briefly about uh, what what you're working on next? Um,
1: First, I would say that uh, it is maybe important to say that this book uh, on television in Jaffa is not so new for me. Uh, originally, it was published in 2005 in Hebrew, and it, it, it is only now that it, it is uh, uh, published in uh, uh, English. Um, during this period, I, I was um, uh, involved in a few other uh, projects, and I published uh, uh, two books uh, about two other books: about uh, one about uh, Israeli architecture, and another one uh, about uh, my own uh, neighborhood. Um, now I'm planning, I'm kind of working, I'm trying to complete three other books uh, more or less of this at the same time. Uh, one about, uh, uh, still about uh, my neighborhood, but in a more, um, um, I would say, um, actual um, um, questions dealing with. Uh, um, dealing with uh, the question of immigrants, of refugees, which uh, now populate my neighborhood. Uh, I am working also on a uh, kind of a general uh, critique of of, uh, Israeli uh, uh, architecture, and I'm also working on a um, a collection of uh, essays um, um, which treat Uh, general questions of space and uh, architecture too. So this is more or less what I'm doing and uh, about this, as you said, I'm uh, uh, I'm working, I'm teaching at the Invisalel Academy so I'm very um, concerned and uh, occupied with uh, uh, various questions of uh, education.
0: Well, all those uh, book projects sound um, really very interesting, so we hope to have you Um, on the program again. Um, That's what we have time for. So thank you very much for um, joining us. Thank you. Thank you. you. So you've been listening to New Books in Jewish Studies with your host, Max Kaiser. Um, With us today we had uh, Sharon Rothbard, Senior Lecturer at Bezellel Academy in Jerusalem. He talked to us about his new book, White City, Black City, Architecture and War in Tel Aviv and Jaffa was published in English in 2015 uh, by Pluto Press and MIT.